I am so excited to be with you in week 21 in the Resilient Catholics community. This is Dr. Peter, and we are on to a very exciting part of our journey that is accessing and unblending from exiles. This is really important as we are on our pilgrimage together toward greater internal integration. Brief review, two weeks ago in week 19, we focused on getting permission from protectors to begin working with an exile. In that, in that episode, week 19, in that week, we reviewed who the exiled parts are, and we emphasized how important it is to be recollected, to be in self when we are doing work with our exiles, when we're interacting with our exiles. And today, I'm going to refer to exiles and protectors using the feminine form, her. It's just easier than saying him or her, and I don't like referring to parts as it, trying to get some sort of gender-neutral aspect to this. So in week 19, we, we discussed the common protector fears about allowing access to exiles. The exile has too much pain. There's no point in approaching the exile. The concerned protector will lose her role in your system and be rejected or eliminated. The concerned protector doesn't trust you. The exile will be harmed. A secret will be revealed. A dangerous firefighter will be triggered or the exile will re-experience the wound or the trauma. Those are the common protector fears and we have to make sure that our protectors are reassured enough and have a trusting enough relationship with us to allow us to move forward with the exiles. Or we don't do it. Or we don't do it. If we don't have the permission from the protectors to work with a particular exile, we don't approach the exile. It's that simple. Last week, in week 20, we discussed connecting with exiles safely and doing the final preparation work. So we covered topics including how do you work with dissociation and, and addiction, right? Those are common firefighter types of behaviors. We talked about how to handle firefighters when they're activated, how to keep your part session on track, when to change target parts when you're doing some work. What are the, what are the signs that it's a good time to change your target part? We discussed that in week 20. We also discussed tips to distinguish among your parts. How to identify your parts. We talked about how to prevent overwhelm and we talked about the importance of acknowledging all parts, that all parts are welcome. Finally, we talked about continuity. How do we go from one part session to the next? And remember, a part session is when you're doing particular focused work with your parts. All right, so we are going to be looking at the first two steps in getting to know an exile. Now, this assumes that you've done the preparatory work with your protectors, right? And that you have a good relationship with your protectors and that you have their permission to do the work with an exile. So today we're going to discuss accessing an exile and unblending from an exile. Next week, we're going to get into unblending from a concerned part because concerned parts come up learning about the exile and developing a trusting relationship with an exile. For that's, that's for next week. And then there's other things that we're going to do later, right? Including accessing and witnessing childhood memories, helping an exile heal, retrieving an exile to the present moment, unburdening an exile, and transforming a protector. I'm going to invite you to feel free to go back and review any of those topics that would be helpful for you to go over again, especially as we begin to work with exiles. Now, there's a huge question here. How do I know, Dr. Peter, how do I know if I am ready to work with my exiles? How can I tell that? 
Here is what you need to know to determine whether it's a good idea to work with a given exile on your own. And the first thing and the most important thing is that you be in self, that you be recollected, that you have self energy, that you have those eight C's, that you're calm, connected, compassionate, curious, courageous, have confidence, clarity, and creativity. Right? That's really the first clear sign that you're in self, those eight C's. And the second sign is that you don't have an agenda that you're trying to impose on a particular exile. You're not trying to fix that exile. You're not trying to shut that exile up. That there's a genuine openness to the means that could come to you in working with that exile. Now, there's a long description of what the experience of being in self is like. We covered that in week two. Now, it's been a while since we've been in week two. It's been, you know, it's been a few months. So you may need to go back to week two at some point and just review what it's like to really be in self, right? And it doesn't have to be perfect, but we want it to be adequate. We need enough self-energy to be able to safely work with Excels. And what does that mean? Well, one thing it means is that the prospect of working with Excels doesn't destabilize you. You have a sense of peace and curiosity around it. It can be exciting to think about working with a given Excel, but it shouldn't be ominous or terrifying. So if every time you think of working with an Excel, you hear the theme from Jaws in the background, you know, dun, 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 and you know, we need to pay attention to that. That's not a good sign, right? There's something that's not yet ready within you. There's a part that's not yet ready within you to do that work with that Excel yet. So the first sign that you're ready to work with an exile is you're recollected, you're in self. The second is that the prospect of working with that exile doesn't destabilize you. The third is that you have experience unblending from your protectors, right? You've practiced unblending successfully from your protectors. It's not really likely that if you haven't unblended from your protectors that you're going to be able to unblend from your exiles, right? So the third sign that you're ready is that you have experienced unblending from your protectors. The fourth is that you have a trustful enough relationship with your protectors and your protectors have agreed to let you have access to the exiles. You need to ask them. You don't want to just assume that you have permission. You have that relationship with them. You're communicating with your protectors and they have agreed to allow you to have access to the exile. We covered that a lot in week 19. You can also ask your protectors what they would need from you to feel more comfortable in working with your exile. For example, your protectors might say, uh, it would be helpful for there to be time limits. Like if you only are going to work with the Excel for 12 minutes, that would really help. Or maybe even just five minutes. And sometimes that really helps so that they know that, that there's a time limit on that work that you're going to do with that Excel. And you set a timer. You put it on your phone so that there's a chime after five minutes or 12 minutes or whatever it is. And you honor that, those time limits with, with your protector. The second thing is that your protectors might say, well, you can work with this exile, but not that exile. Some exiles may be allowed to be worked with, but not others. And so we want to honor that. And so you can start with exiles that are more accessible first. So that's the fourth sign. The fifth sign that you're ready is that the exile that you're working with or that you want to work with is cooperative and it wants to work collaboratively with you. You're not dealing with an exile that is uncommunicative or uncooperative, but you're working with an Excel that is cooperative, that is collaborative. 
The sixth sign is that you can calm down on your own when you're agitated, that you have ways of self-soothing, that you have ways of allowing yourself to be more regulated, right? To ground yourself. The seventh is that you've been doing your check-ins regularly with your parts and that for the parts that you're aware of, that you have a good relationship with them and they know that they can come to you with concerns because you have regular check-ins going on. The eighth is that you've been doing some parts sessions with your protectors regularly. Now, not everybody has been doing, you know, two part sessions every day. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to do two part sessions a week, right? That's what we've been asking, kind of uh, beginning to increase that in place of a couple of our check-ins. But you've been doing your part sessions with your protectors and you've got some predictability. You've got some regularity there. That's the eighth one. The ninth is that you're not troubled by flashbacks or uh, nightmares or other controlled and unpredictable trauma symptoms. You're not breaking down into shaking. You're not being you know, caught up in heavy bouts of dissociation or things like that, right? That things are relatively stable and you don't have a lot of acute PTSD symptoms right now. That's the ninth. And the 10th one is that you have social support if you need it, someone to process your experiences with. It could be your therapist if you have one, it could be a companion, it could be a friend, it could be a coach. It could be your spouse, but that depends, right? We want to be mindful of what kind of material is coming up because sometimes it might involve your spouse, right? So that could be difficult. So, So those are the 10 things, right? Number one, you're recollected in itself. Two, the prospect of working with XLs doesn't destabilize you. Three, you have experience unblending from your protectors. Four, you have a trustful enough relationship with your protectors that they've agreed to let you have access to an exile. Fifth, the exile that you're working with is cooperative and wants to work collaboratively. Sixth, you can calm down on your own when you're agitated. You have ways of self-soothing. Seventh, you've been doing your check-ins regularly. Eighth, you have been doing some part sessions with your protectors regularly. Ninth, you're not troubled by a lot of PTSD or other trauma symptoms. And 10th, you have social support, someplace to process this. And that could be, again, with your companion, if you have that kind of relationship. Many of you have already been doing that. All right, so you have to make that call if you're ready, right? Watch out for managers who might want to rush the process, who want to fix the exiles, you know, want to, quote, fix those exiles, Remember that success in your work may look very differently than someone else's success. We need to accept where we are with humility and we need to accept the time it takes for us to make progress. I really support those who are not yet ready to do exile work in the RCC. It's an amazing thing if you can acknowledge that and can admit that. You can continue to work with your protectors and you can continue to work with your managers and your firefighters and I'll give you some cues to do that in our exercises. Now, let's talk a little bit about the motivations that exiles and protectors have. Remember that all parts are trying to help and all parts have good intentions, right? Exiles have two motivations. One, they want to be seen, heard, known, and understood. They want to be loved. And secondly, they want to be healed. Richard Swartz, he uses the word redeemed. Exiles want to be redeemed. They want to be healed. Exiles try to communicate by letting their feelings out. And sometimes in their desperation, they can flood you with their emotions. This can lead to an emotional overwhelm that will take you right out of your window of tolerance, right? That means that you, you become 
over aroused or hyper aroused, you move into fight or flight. That's the sympathetic nervous system activation. That's most common. Fear, grief, rage, some kind of emotion or some kind of internal experience overwhelms you to the upside. Or you can leave your window of tolerance to the downside, moving into the freeze mode. We call that hypoarousal. That's the dorsal vagal experience, shutting down, feeling dead or numb. Sometimes exiles can feel so dead or so numb that they bring that to the table and they take us out of our window of tolerance. So that's the way that exiles try to communicate. Protectors have three main motivations. They want to keep exiles safe from being re-injured, right? We call that protecting the exile. Secondly, protectors contain exiles feelings so that you can continue to function in day-to-day life. And third, protectors try to keep exiles from acting out in very childish or even infantile ways that either put the exiles in danger or expose your system to vulnerability and shame. Our exiles can really get us into a lot of trouble if they drive our bus. And so protectors know that and they're trying to keep the exiles from taking over and acting out in really problematic ways. Those are the three motivations that protectors have. Now remember that all parts have limited vision when they are operating independently from the self. When parts are not led and guided by the self, when they are not connected with the self, when they're not in right relationship with the self, then they have only a very limited slice of experience and they don't see the whole picture. The final thing in this area of motivations of protectors is to know that every protector is motivated by an exile. Every protector protects or protects against at least one exile. So if there is a protector protecting, you know that there's an exile that that protector is focused on. All right, so the importance of being in self. I'm gonna say this again. When you are working with your exiles, it is so important to be in self. Remember those eight Cs? Calm, connection, compassion, curiosity, courage, confidence, clarity, creativity. When we are in self, we can accept and love all our parts, including our exiles with compassion, with curiosity, with that genuine interest. When we are in self, we can be separate but near to the exile, right? Not blended, not fused, not flooded, not overwhelmed, not alienated, still in relationship, being present, being with. When we are in self, we can be separate but near to our part. When we are in self, we can witness the exile's story and we don't lose our composure. We don't become ungrounded or untethered. We don't destabilize. We can be with the exile as the exile tells us her story. The key to working with exiles is to be in self. If we are in self, good things will happen. If we are not in self, there's a lot more unpredictability about what might happen. And remember that if you're blended with a part, that part can't help another part. It really can't, not without the self. The way that exiles have generally tried to communicate is through fusion, through blending. Most of the time, most people don't notice their exiles because their exiles are banished from conscious awareness. They're suppressed by protectors. The protectors have forced those exiles into the unconscious. And what we notice instead is the behavior of the protectors. That's much more obvious because we're blended with the protectors, not with the exiles. But when the protectors' suppression of the exiles slip, the exiles can jailbreak and then they can blend or fuse with the self. 
Fusion is a very primitive way of relating. There's no I-thou difference in fusion or blending. There's no distinction between me and you. There's just one great big we, right? There's not even an awareness of relationship at all. That's the way that infants relate with their mothers. Infants don't recognize that there's a difference between me and mommy. When that happens with an exile, we experience the raw intensity of the exile, and that can be very painful. If a protector doesn't intervene and the exile blends with the self, we may act out of that blend with the exile. Blending is the only way that many exiles know for communicating their experience without some help from the self. Sometimes it's all that exiles know how to do. Remember, they're usually very young parts. So there are two ways in which exiles can affect our behavior and our emotional life. First, they can take us over, kind of like inside out when the different parts took over the control panel. Or second, the exiles can activate our protectors. They can activate our managers who work proactively to suppress the exiles, and they can activate our firefighters who work reactively to distract from the pain of the exiles. When you are in self, exiles can sense that access to yourself is no longer being blocked by your protectors. Why? Because those protectors have unblended. And oh boy, that can be so exciting for the exiles. The exiles can say, this is it. This is my chance. The self is available. I can be seen, heard, known, and understood. This is my moment. And so they can come up and try to blend with the self. The exiles can be afraid that if they don't blend, they won't be heard and that they'll be exiled again. So what can we say? Well, we can explain to the exile that if she contains her feelings, you can be there for her. And you can explain that you really want to hear the exile's story. You want to know all about it. But you can't do that if there's a blend. We're really looking for the exile to be separate but near. And sometimes more than one exile can, can appear at one time. Several exiles can all converge on the self at once, all trying to blend at one time to be seen, heard, known, and understood. And this can lead to chaos and flooding with a lot of emotion and destabilization. We don't want that. We want to see if they would be willing to be patient and be worked with one at a time. All right, so how do we work with exiles? We're going to get into this now. The first couple steps of working with exiles, accessing exiles, and then unblending with exiles. Now remember, beforehand, we need to have the permission of the protectors. We first have to do our work with our protectors before we do the work with the exiles that they protect or that they protect against. And we need the ongoing consent and agreement of our protector parts. We need those protectors on board. And we discussed this extensively in week 19, getting permission from your protectors to meet exiles, and in week 20, final preparations for working with exiles. So review the material again if you need to from those weeks. We want to work with the exiles in an orderly way. And I'm going to invite you to reassure the exiles that you will work with all of them in due time. Often when the self just recognizes an exile and promises that attention to the exile, that's enough to help the exile settle down and to work more cooperatively and collaboratively in your system. Again, there's two dangers that we face in working with exiles. One is being flooded or overwhelmed with the pain and the chaos of the exile if the exile blends with us. And the second thing is to avoid the exile. Many, many people have this experience of exiles. 
right? In phase one, they're walling off the exiles with their managers. They're trying to ignore those exiles. They're keeping them at bay. They're trying to keep those exiles out of awareness, which works right up to the point when it doesn't work anymore. And then the exiles breach that wall and they come roaring in to take over the self and they're battling with the firefighters along the way and chaos ensues until the managers eventually regain control and they corral all the exiles back behind the wall again. And nothing was healed in that process. Right. So these are reasons to remain separate from an exile. This is why we need to be remain separate from an exile. And sometimes we can explain this to exiles and they'll understand. The first reason is to protect yourself from being flooded with too much pain. The second is to keep protectors from being triggered. The third is to allow you to be present to witness the exile's pain and to hear the exile's story. So that in number four, you can be an agent of healing for the exile. And you also need to be separate but near to an exile so that you can facilitate your work with the exile and make that work successful. Now, it's easier to do this work with another person. Why? Because there's another self there present in the room who can witness your experience and who can help you to stay in self and to stay recollected as you work with your exiles. So therapy can be helpful, even if it's just for a few sessions. It doesn't have to be months and months and years and years for a lot of people, but sometimes a little bit of therapy is enough to get you started, to get you over the hump, so that yourself can be more consistently able to lead and guide your system and that your parts kind of get a jump start in being able to trust you. Once those trusting relationships are there between you and your parts, once those are established, therapy won't be needed nearly so much. But let's not overstate the case. Many people can and do work with their exiles without IFS-informed therapy, so it certainly can be done. If you're working without another person present, though, create as supportive of an environment as you can. We want a safe, quiet place, free from distractions, phone is shut off, electronics shut off, We want to be able to take the time to center and ground ourselves. We need to prioritize the time for this. You can use any of the guided reflections provided for you in the RCC. And it's also a good idea to be able to seek outside recognition, to be able to connect with your companion or your company members or a trusted friend, someone who can acknowledge your your experience and hear your story of what it was like to work with your part and who can support you on your journey and perhaps to process your experience with them. Another possibility is to bring in our Lord or our Lady or a saint or an angel when you're doing this parts work with exiles. Want to check out whether that's okay with your protectors and then also to check out whether it's okay with your exile. Now, let's talk about blending during exile work. It can happen unexpectedly. It can happen unexpectedly. There can be times where you blend with an exile and you take on too much of the exile's pain. If this happens, speak directly to the exile. Remember, the exile is a part of you. It's not all of you. You could say something like, I can see that you're really grieving, that when mom and dad divorced, it was terrible for you. And you shouldered that loss for us. You shouldered that grief for us when we were five. I'm here. I want to be with you. Help me to be with you by not overwhelming me with the sadness. That's a way that you can address the exile, for example, if that was what was going on. A second thing to know is that sometimes it can be useful to have a slight or partial blend, a deliberate blend. 
a conscious blend, if you will, because that can allow for a rapid information transfer, right? If the part is willing to dial it way back and give you just a sip of the experience right, of what it's like to be in that Exile's shoes, you don't have to drink the whole barrel or be swept away in a tidal wave of the Exile's experience, but have a little sip of it, not enough to throw yourself off balance or get all destabilized. That can be really informative. And Jesus may have had a partial blend with the part of him carrying sorrow over the death of his friend Lazarus. He felt that grief, but he wasn't destabilized by it. Do you see the difference? He didn't lose a sense of peace, even though he was experiencing the intensity of that grief. So when we do this conscious blending, we are simultaneously in self with a bit of a blend with the exile, but it has to be tolerable. We don't want to lose recollection. We don't want to lose those eight C's. And the protectors need to agree to that too, or at least not to be objecting to it. Another thing that can happen when you're working with exiles is protectors can resurge. They can come back in. They can resume their protective roles. So we don't want to assume that when a protector gives initial permission, that that protector will just wait and watch from the sideline and never jump in again. Sometimes protectors do give us a lot of space. They do give us a lot of room, especially if there's a lot of trust in the relationship with the self. But often, especially before they've developed that trust, they will rise up, especially if they fear that the exile will blend and get out of control. So protectors feel like they're taking a huge risk in allowing the exile to have contact with yourself. They've organized their whole existence around preventing the exile from having access to the self, from taking over and driving your bus. And real harm has come from that. So we need to appreciate how radically different this model is from what our protectors are familiar with, what they're comfortable with. Protectors have to resist their automatic impulses in order to allow you as the self to work with the exiles without interfering. And some signs of protectors rising up or resurging, right? Anger, fogginess, distractions, you know, anything that gets in the way, criticism of the exile, you know, if we've noticed that we're being really critical or judgmental, it's all kinds of signs that either a firefighter or a manager are coming up. It's important to know that blending isn't necessary to recover from trauma. That was a major mistake of the early trauma models right, of how you actually did therapy. Some of them said, you have to go back to the trauma. You have to relive it. You have to feel all the feelings. You have to go through the experience again. And that's not true, right? That approach in and of itself is re-traumatizing. Instead, we want to stay in self. We want to say, we want to stay calm and grounded and relate to the exile. We don't need to become the exile, right? We don't need to give the, the exile control over everything. And if you notice that you are becoming overwhelmed or destabilized, that's a blend. And immediately invite the parts to unblend. You want to catch that blend as soon as possible and begin to unblend. So this is the process from unblending from an exile. First, we ask the exile not to flood you with her emotions and pain so that you can be there for her, separate but near. Second, we ask the exile to contain her feelings. Third, we ask the exile not to overwhelm you. Fourth, you can ask the exile to be separate from you. Again, separate but near. Fifth, we can explain to the exile that you will be better able to hear her story and help her if you remain in self. We're not asking the exile here to block her feelings or to deny her feelings. 
just not to flood with those feelings. We're asking that XL to keep her feelings separate from you so that you can stand on solid ground in order to help her. XLs can unblend if they want to. XLs can cooperate in a lot of ways. Sometimes protectors don't know this. But if the self works with an XL, the XLs can regulate how much of their intensity they bring to the self. Protectors often don't know this because they've only seen XLs jailbreaking and flooding the self with their intensity. They don't know that XLs have the capacity, if they're connected with the self, to work in this cooperative and collaborative way and regulate their intensity. What XLs need are to be seen, heard, known, and understood. They need the self to listen to their story. They need that caring presence of the self being separate but near. They need nurturing from the self. They need the eight C's that the self can bring them. And the goal is for the exile to have a deep intimacy with the self, a secure attachment with the self, a real bond, a trusting relationship. We don't want fusion and blending, nor do we want isolation and avoidance. We want that deep, secure relationship. And when you are interacting with an exile in this way, there's this big open heart. There's this relief. It often feels like expansiveness inside, like a a sense of love and compassion. Tears sometimes come to our eyes, a sense of fullness and rightness and completeness and goodness, a sense of peace and connection and relaxation, a sense that things are being more ordered, that things are right inside when we connect with our XLs in, in this kind of way that I'm discussing. So that's enough for today for the interconnections talk. I'm going to invite you to have a discussion about that, about what comes up within you about working with your XLs and whether or not you feel ready to start with your XL work. And if, if not, why not? Right. Or if you do feel like you are, why do you feel like you are? And you might even discuss which potential target XL you're considering working with. And I will see you on the other side for the experiential exercise.